Welcome to episode 193 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is the first 40 miles. Today on the first 40 miles, We love getting audio recordings from our listeners, and today we have one from a new backpacker who figured out his own way of doing things. Then, on the Summit Gear Review, a titanium tool inspired by a Japanese gardening knife. Next, a hammock hack that will turn any blanket or sleeping bag into an underquilt. And we'll wrap it all up with a little trail wisdom from the third best-selling poet of all time, right behind Shakespeare and Lao Tzu. You got it right. Yes. Looks like Laozi. But it's Lao Tzu. Lao Tzu. All this, and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. Well, if you've been listening to the first 40 miles for the last couple years, you may have noticed that every once in a while we interject some audio from our listeners. And we love getting audio from our listeners. It's always inspiring, unique, relevant, beautiful, authentic. Just hearing your voices helps us to connect with you. Kind of in that same way that you've said that hearing our voices, you know, makes it feel like you know us. We feel the same way when we hear your voices. We set up the story page on thefirst40miles.com about two years ago. You just go to thefirst40miles.com slash story, push a button and start recording, and you can share your story with us. Like Heather said, we love hearing your voice and feeling like we have the opportunity to connect with you and, and what's going on in your life when you go out backpacking. And I think a lot of people who think about sharing their story maybe think, well, you know, it's it's not a dramatic story. Nothing really big happened. It wasn't a death-defying story. Or I didn't overcome some incredible odds to come out victorious. A lot of the stories that we hear are just simple and beautiful, and they're what happened. And I think that's part of what makes these stories so powerful. One of the things that I love about these stories that people share is that Everyone can relate to these stories. If you've been on a backpacking trip and you hear someone else's story, there are going to be common threads that are woven into all of these stories. And we can all kind of nod our heads together and say, yeah, I get it. I relate. And I think that does a lot to bring the backpacking community together and help us not feel so alone when we go through our own stories, our own experiences. You know that someone else out there has done it too and experienced some of the challenges and things that you've experienced as well. And today we have a really interesting story to share. Our friend Libby shared his story on the first40miles.com slash story, and I think there are some really interesting takeaways from it. Libby kind of paved his own path to backpacking and approached it in a really maybe unconventional way. And I think this proves that there is something that we can learn from everyone's story. Let's take a listen to Libby's story. Hi there, I'm Libby. I'm 19 years old. Um, I just wanted to share a little something. So uh, 
I have not had much experience with the outdoors in general, you know, even being who I am, which is just quite a natural prime kind of man. You know, being surrounded by city my whole life, by commercial, I, I, there wasn't much opportunity. And I was still evolving myself as I uh, grew through the ages, and uh, it just never kind of occurred. And to this point, I find out, you know, more and more of who I am as I keep evolving and evolving, progressing and progressing. And, uh, you know, the idea was to be a, a long-term backpacker sort of ideal, I guess is the term you can call it. Um, so I've never done anything related to the outdoors in my whole life. I've never camped. I've never done anything of the sort. Never been in a tent. Uh, just never really done anything of the sort. But when it's time, it's time. When it's time to move, then you move. Uh, I figured it was time, you know, so, um, I got a bunch of equipment together. It wasn't necessarily high-end at all. It was a, uh, what, a dirty dollar backpack that was 80 liters unbranded. You know, I had the MSS system. Um, which, you know, basically it, it, it wasn't the best high-end equipment. It was, it was kind of an interesting process even getting these things together, you know, and I was planning this to be a long term. So with that in mind, I plan on staying out there, not coming back. Of course, it didn't really turn out that way. Uh, so, but it will with time. And that's part of the process. See, this is all a learning process here and it's about getting on your toes. So I got stuff together. Um, you know, as much as I can, I ended up separate, you know, carrying two different kind of bags, one on my shoulders and a duffel bag that had a lot of my stuff, like literally, in a way, it ended up not being so great of a system overall. And that was one way to rethink on things and, uh, you know, receive from it and improve. So anyway, long story short, I went out there. Uh, I just, you know, I got out of my apartment in this, you know, commercial surrounding. And uh, I just kind of took off. And I'm in Washington State, by the way, so, you know, the weather could be interesting. But it, it was nice and sunny for the most part. And uh, I took off, and uh, I just walked, walked wherever, walked wherever the wind blew, you know. Going into a certain direction, you know, with a certain direction in mind, you know, I just walked. And uh, that's the beginning, you know, once you're on your toes. And once you declare the action and you proceed upon it, then that is ultimately the beginning. Um, so I just walked wherever, you know, following the roads. And of course, it's not exactly a super safe thing, but, you know, it's time, it's time. And from that alone, I've learned lots of things. For example, it can be hard getting out of a city, that's for sure. That's why a lot of people would stick to the outskirts of a city to not really get into the city, because it can be hard to escape it, even if it's a suburban area. You know, it's kind of hard to go off-road because there's so many structures and obstacles but long story short i ended up somewhere uh, pretty far away in fact uh and this was all in the same day all in the same night i ended up sort of in the near a forested area you know it was, it was about time to find a place to sleep and again this can be interesting when you've never done anything related to the outdoors so uh you know i ended up finding a place near a freeway you know private land uh it was sort of a stealth camp sort of ideal they had dogs there's lots of things to take in from this of how I could have done better you know uh it was you know I had to find a good place to sleep that won't be too cold considering you're near a freeway um there was you know people in sight I had to stealth camp a bit and I learned from that you know not so great 
uh, not so great, even considering I had a blue tarp, a bright blue tarp, that wasn't the best. But, uh, you know, there was a lot to take in from this trip, and uh, it was an interesting, interesting night. And it wasn't the most comfortable night at all, um, to be honest. It was kind of freezing, and the whole bottom half of the thing was frozen. But anyway, uh, to conclude this up, get on your toes and start getting out there, and guess what? You're going to receive from that. Interesting. So Libby was essentially doing an urban backpacking experience, right? Just walking out his front door in the city and then, well, basically trying to escape the city on foot. Yeah, he had that primal desire to just reconnect with nature. And he said he'd never done it before. This was a totally new thing. And so he did the only thing that made sense. And that was to just start walking and walk till you get to trees. Sounds like it would make a great movie. (laughs) And that was interesting to me what he said about how hard it is to escape the city, at least on foot. Even in a car, it can take a long time to escape the city. Hours sometimes to really be out into the woods. But when you're on foot, you really feel it. And I've felt that when I've traveled to different cities around the country for conferences that I go to. And I'll try to get out maybe in the evening or on a down day that I might have. And I'm on foot and I just start walking. And it's amazing to me. I can walk for a really long time and I'm still in the city and everything still looks the same. I'm just in a little bit different neighborhood and I'm still walking and still seeing buildings and houses. It can just take a long time to finally get out of the city. Well, we thought Libby's audio was so powerful that we wanted to use it as a springboard for today's top five list and talk about the five takeaways from some of the things that he said. The number one takeaway from Libby's audio was to start with what you can get. It sounds like he ended up uh, using a blue tarp. Uh, He had a duffel bag with him and he used an 80 liter pack that he said was not a really high end pack, but it was what he could afford. And he took his first steps with that. And he said, you know, it wasn't the best setup. He learned a lot as he used those things, but uh, he started with what he could get. Yeah, there's a reason we have all kinds of cool high-tech gear. It's because it works better and it's really nice to use. But it's not that it's absolutely necessary in order to get outside and spend a night outdoors. Like This used to be a natural thing thousands of years ago. Everybody spent the night outdoors and they didn't have any of the new fancy gear that we have today. And so while that gear is nice, it shouldn't hold you up from just taking what you can get or what you have and just trying it out. The next takeaway that I got from Libby's audio was that the first step is the most important step. And he was taking a big, big step, like an emotional step. It wasn't just a physical step. He was going to go from city to the unknown, from this urban environment to the forest. And he had never spent time camping or doing anything in that wilderness environment. So it was kind of a mystery to him. He didn't even know what to expect. I mean, maybe just from what he'd seen in movies and maybe he did a little bit of research before he took off on this first step. But it was that first step, deciding that he was going to get out, that was the most important. And that's the beginning. What did he say? Get on your toes? Yeah. Yeah. Just get up, get vertical, start moving. And and once you've taken that first step, then the learning can happen. The experiences can come. You can improve and change and adjust, but you can't do any of that before you've taken the first step. 
The third takeaway from Libby's audio was that he learned from mistakes. He said he didn't have so great of a system. That's awesome because that means the next time he goes out, he'll probably make some decisions about what he wants to take and what he wants to leave behind. Sounds like the duffel bag was a thumbs down choice. He's probably going to leave that behind and find some ways to maybe uh, just pare it down even more to the true essentials. He had kind of an interesting goal with his trip and that he wanted to live, live the rest of his life as a backpacker, which is a very ambitious an interesting goal. I can understand that feeling, you know, being in the city for his whole life and just saying, hey, I'm done with this. I don't want that life anymore. I want something more real, something that fills me as a person. And so he's kind of trying to um, to approach backpacking with that in mind. And then he felt like, ah, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. Maybe I do need a little bit of balance. And so these mistakes are wonderful because you end up learning so much from those mistakes. Mistakes are valuable. Mistakes are completely underrated. Mistakes make it so we can become better. It sounds like finding a place to camp at night was a big challenge. Uh, and I can see that if you're in a city. It's challenging enough out in the wilderness. And usually we look ahead of time at the trail and we identify where the pre-existing campsites are and we plan it out and say, okay, it's going to be five miles to the campsite and we can do that. In the city, that's got to be 10 times harder to just find a place to camp at night. Big challenge. Uh, private property, barking dogs, freeway, blue tarp, cold at night. He learned from all of that, though. And he's going to get closer to his ideal, his goal, because I know I had the same feelings that he had when I first started car camping. I thought, I don't want the rush of the freeway next to my ears at night. That's not the solitude that I'm seeking. I still feel like there's something that's missing from my experience. And every step that he takes, he's going to get closer to that ideal experience that he wants. The fourth takeaway from Libby's audio was don't give up. He confronted some major obstacles, even before the freezing night under the blue tarp. Uh, just getting out of the city was the big, big obstacle. And maybe even before that, the obstacle of having that dream that no one else in his circle of friends had. In the city, everyone lives in the city. They stay in the city. They work in the city. Your whole life is in this urban box. And maybe all of his friends had never had the dream that he has. But he was able to overcome that obstacle, too, and pursue this life that he wants. And for some people, it's not the escape from urban that holds them back. It may be some physical condition or just a lack of activity or exercise, and they doubt whether they're going to be able to handle it. Or, you know, there can be a million different things that can stop you somewhere along the way where you, you have you start out with this bright idea of, oh, it's going to be so wonderful to go backpacking, spend the night in the woods, and somewhere along the way, there's something that stops you where you say, oh, but I can't do it because, and whatever that thing is, that's, that's where you really have to say, okay, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to find a way around that thing, whatever it is, and I'm going to get out there. So I would love to keep in touch with Libby and kind of hear the rest of his story, kind of see where his life takes him, because he has one of those personalities that you can see if he gets his mind hooked on an idea, he is just going to blaze forward with it. And that kind of motivation is really exciting, really powerful. And inspiring to others. Which takes us to our last takeaway from Libby's story. 
and that is to share your story, because as you share your story, it inspires others. Others can learn from it. Others can react to it as well, and maybe you can learn from them when you share your story. So as Libby says, get out there, get on your toes, and you can experience some of those same things that Libby did. Maybe not the freezing night under the freeway with a blue tarp, but you can share in the excitement of the journey because really, it's part of it's the destination, but really, it's the journey that will change you. And I think that's the big takeaway from Libby's audio is that he's becoming changed by this journey that he's on. For today's Summit Gear Review, we'll be reviewing the Vargo Dig Dig Tool. Vargo is a company that we've featured before on the Summit Gear Review because they are such an innovative company. The president of the company is one of those tinkerers. He's always creating something new and interesting. I can just imagine what his shop looks like. Either it is a disaster zone with all these projects, or it is the most perfectly organized shop you have ever seen, you know, with the pegboard and all the little hangers and everything. The Vargo Dig Dig tool is a trowel that has serrated edges. This is brilliant because then you can use those serrated edges to cut through those roots, those tiny little roots that you always find when you're trying to dig a little cat hole. This tool is made from titanium, which is an extremely strong but lightweight metal. For utility, the Vargo Dig Dig tool can be used to just dig your basic cat hole, but it also has a feature on it that makes it so that you can use it as a tent stake. It makes a kind of fat tent stake. Like, you wouldn't buy six of these to be your tent stakes. It's just that if you have it because you're going to use it as a trowel, then it can double as a tent stake when you're not using it as a trowel. One of the challenges with trowels is that a lot of the weight usually ends up in the handle because you want to have something that has a good grip so that you can actually dig with it. Well, they did something brilliant with the design here so that there's no added weight on the handle. What they did was they rolled the edges of the handle so that you can still have a really good grip on the trowel, but it doesn't add all that weight either. And the rolled edges are really nice so then the edge doesn't dig into your hand. Even though trowels are meant for digging, you don't want it to dig into your hand. For mass, the Dig Dig weighs 1.25 ounces, or 36 grams. It's about 8 inches long and little less than 2 inches wide. And then it has a hole at the top so that you can easily attach some cordage to it or a small carabiner and attach it onto the outside of your pack. And then something that I learned recently about trowels, and it, it seems like common knowledge, but I just thought I should say it in case anyone out there hadn't really thought of it before. Trowels never touch human waste. So when you're digging your cat hole, you only use it to dig the hole and then you set it aside. And then if you wanted to stir what's inside to help it break down faster, um, you use a stick. You don't use your trowel. So a trowel should never touch human waste. For maintenance, this thing is a chunk of titanium. So it's never going to rust. I mean, there's just, there's really nothing to do to maintain it because it's just pure titanium. And for investment, the Vargo Dig Dig tool is $25. And for trial, I love the rolled edges on the Dig Dig tool. It makes it super comfortable. I also love the serrated edges. And that's actually inspired by the 
hori hori Japanese gardening knife, which has serrated edges so that you can cut those roots, which is what you're always struggling to cut through when you're um, digging cat holes and stuff. Around here, there's always that fine network of tiny roots, and they can be hard to get through. It just dawned on me just now that I should have used the Vargo Dig Dig tool for the sprinkler repair that I did in our backyard. (laughs) We had a sprinkler that busted that I didn't even know existed. It was out under these huge arborvita trees, and it was about six inches under the surface because the arborvitas had just grown this network of roots right over the sprinkler head. I don't even know how it busted, but it did. And I had to dig down six inches just to get to the top of the sprinkler head. Well, it was six inches of these little roots. And I was using a plain gardening trowel. And, you know, you poke it down into the soil and it just sort of moves the roots out of the way. But it doesn't actually cut through them. I was using the wrong tool. The Vargo Dig Dig, I could have just gone (laughs) up and down with that tool and it would have cut right through those roots instead of just pushing them off to the side and then pushing them off to the other side. So next time, I did discover that there are three more sprinkler heads under those arborvitas. So there is a chance. We had some work to do I'll need this, this tool again. <laughs> and if you're worried about, you know, the whole leave no trace, you don't want to cut roots. Well, you're cutting roots anyway when you dig a cat hole. So this does it a little more cleanly, more efficiently, and uh, it's just a better tool for the job. And if you have this thing for titanium, if you love it like we do and want to see what Vargo is doing, go to their website because they have an incredible selection of really unique, innovative titanium tools for backpacking. And if you have ideas, share them with Vargo because they're always, always working on new ideas. In fact, they're one of the companies that does stuff with MassDrop. MassDrop is something we've talked about before. It's a website where you can connect with companies. And if enough people say they'll buy a certain thing, then the price drops. But also, you can kind of collectively, creatively gang up on a company and say, hey, we really want this feature in a product. If we get enough people together to buy it, will you please make it? And so sometimes companies will put out these special runs of once-in-a-lifetime products that are only offered for a limited time. So anyway, I know that Vargo is really open to creative ideas and pushing the limits on backpacking gear. And yeah, they're a great company. So we'll have the link in the show notes for the Vargo Dig Dig tool at thefirst40miles.com slash 193. And I'll put the link in for MassDrop too because it's a really interesting concept when it comes to uh, buying backpacking gear. For today's backpack hack of the week, a DIY hammock underquilt. You don't have to buy a hammock underquilt. You probably actually have some of the supplies at home that you need to basically hack your own underquilt. And if you're not really familiar with hammock camping, an underquilt is an essential part of having a really comfortable overnight experience in a hammock. As you lay in the hammock, your backside is subject to all of that cold air that blows underneath the hammock. So having an underquilt means that you are insulated underneath with an underquilt and then over you with a sleeping bag. Or a top quilt. And normally when we go hammock camping, we just use regular sleeping pads because we don't have an underquilt. But one of our boys on a recent trip came up with this hack, and it worked beautifully. He used a rumple down comforter underneath and then attached it 
to his hammock by using some of those twisty ties from night eyes to attach the corners of the quilt, so it kind of hung above his hammock. And the hack worked! And you can get the same results with a sleeping bag and attach it, you know, either with those twisty tie things from night eyes or hair bands or whatever you want to use to attach it. Just find a way to attach this quilt or sleeping bag underneath you and make sure that it's secure underneath your hammock. Now to keep it from slipping down, I think we also kind of pinched those twisty ties to the tree straps of the hammock. So just keep it from bunching up underneath you. You want to kind of stretch it out and you have yourself a hammock under quilt without having to buy any extra gear. There are a few downsides to the hack. A real hammock under quilt has been cut in that shape where it's narrower at the ends and wider in the middle, so it fits the shape of your hammock when you're sleeping in it. And then it has attachment points so that it can be attached really well to the hammock. It's going to be nice and tight on the two ends, so you won't get drafts blowing through. The quilt is rectangular. The, the one that we used is rectangular, so there's lots of extra fabric on both ends, and then it's about right in the middle. So, you know, just gather up those ends the best you can, kind of pinch them tight so that uh, you don't get air drafts through there. And, and it works. And then, uh, like you said, Heather, making sure that the ends don't start scrunching down toward the middle and the whole thing sags was also a challenge. But by using the tree straps of the hammock, we had those tree straps where every few inches they're stitched so that you can decide where to put the carabiner in. So with that style of tree straps, then it's easy to run the night eyes, twisty ties, or something, even a, a piece of nylon cord or whatever, through one of those segments of the strap so that it's not going to keep sliding down through the night. It'll stay stretched out. But it does the job, and we didn't have to buy an extra piece of gear. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Khalil Gibran. And this is from The Prophet from 1923. He said, Solitude is a silent storm that breaks down all our dead branches, yet it sends out living roots deeper into the living heart of the living earth. Man struggles to find life outside himself, unaware that the life he is seeking is within him. Nature reaches out to us with welcome arms and bids us enjoy her beauty. But we dread her silence and rush into the crowded cities there to huddle like sheep fleeing from a ferocious wolf. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you're looking for fun backpacking books and merch, check out thefirst40miles.com slash shop. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. Do you have a song from Snow White stuck in your head now? I'm dreaming. Not no, that one. Okay, no, 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 no. The dwarfs. Dig, 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 oh, dig, dig. Cute. <laughs> That's every time I hear "dig, dig" tool, I think of that song in Snow White. Cute.